Welcome, you're listening to A Certain Degree. This is a weekly radio show on WPRK featuring a local maker, artist, or professional who's doing something neat. The show is then translated via magic to podcast format. This episode is brought to you by Office the Deep End. Making your team more productive is our one and only goal at Office the Deep End. How do we do it? Through a proprietary survey that determines where your staff is most creative. Based on the results, we'll actually install whatever gets those creative juices flowing throughout your office. At our last client, we added showers in every office after finding out most employees did their best thinking while using a loofah. Productivity and pruny hands increased by 32% according to this statistic. Office the deep end, creativity without a thought to how much it'll cost. Now on with the show. Iron and Wine on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to A Certain Degree. That was Thomas County Law. Uh, Because what I like about bands is when they go into really, really uh, obscure laws from different counties. Uh, I feel like that's a genre that we don't get enough of. Good morning. My name is Nick. And every week I have a very special guest. This week, no exception. Rollins grad. A uh, former intern, work study in a department I used to work in, and all around very, very nice person. Jennifer Ritter is here. Good morning, Jennifer. Hey, Nick. Good morning. I haven't seen you in five years. How are you doing? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. So let's catch up, but first let's do it in a way that is incredibly uh, difficult to keep up with, but get a bunch of opinions from you very quickly. So like a lightning round of things uh, that I want to know about you. Yeah. Sounds How does good. that sound? Good way to okay. start on Monday. Very good. So we're going to play a game. Uh, it's basically 20 questions, but instead of saying yes or no, up or down, and especially not thumbs up, thumbs down, which doesn't come across on radio, surprisingly. True. We're going to play a game called Wild or Wooly. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is wild, being wild is is wonderful uh, as a person and as an animal. Like wild animals, they should be out there. They should be acting on instinct, circle of life sort of things. So wild is good. Wooly as someone who is Greek and who has a lot of hair, there's like shedding issues. Mm. I'm always warm because I basically have a layer of basically my own carpet. And so that's often embarrassing as well. So woolly is bad. All right. Wild's good. Woolly is bad. Yep. I got it. All right. So we're still kind of in the season. It's only now the beginning of February. How do you feel about New Year's resolutions? Wild or woolly? Wild if you stick to them. Wild if you stick to Do you have any? Yeah, I have a big list of them. Uh, my main one has been I am uh, working on relearning Spanish, uh, which I had taken several years of and then just had no need for it for a while. And I am, I am working on So you got out of practice. It yeah, it yeah. just it's, it slipped. So I'm uh, getting my Spanish back. So is there a reason for that? Um, not particularly, just kind of I feel bad yeah. that I let it slip. And then also my... Um, you know, it's Florida. There's a lot of Spanish everywhere. And you know, I used to be able to follow. And if I needed to translate something for somebody just wherever I could, and I haven't really been able to do that for a while and just kind of personal development thing. Yeah. And it seems like it might be a good skill for what you do. And we'll get into that mm-hmm. with the instructional design, uh, with the organization that you work with now, and really for the training purposes and things that you do. So we'll get into that yes, in yes, a second. Yes. Uh, voicemail, wild or woolly? Wild. Well, oh, you like voicemail. I like voicemail. I leave voicemails if I'm if I'm going to call somebody and I, you know, I don't know that everybody listens to them. Actually, I know most people don't listen to them. Correct. But, but I will take that extra two minutes to tell you why I called and uh, and go from there. So I, I find it. I find it nice. Do you sometimes leave uh, voicemails like do you leave little Easter eggs to try to figure out if people actually listen? 
Not usually. Um, usually if I do something like that, it's going to be via email. Like if okay. I have to cold email somebody for some reason, I'll add a PS, you know, if, if you actually read this, include the following in. I don't do that so much on voicemail. Okay, good to know. Colonizing Mars, Wilder Wooly. <sighs> Wooly. Um, okay. I, I feel like we've got enough going on down here that we really should take responsibility for sure. and, and work on it all. And I kind of feel like, although I'm not, I'm not, I'm not super wooly. I'm not like, oh, Mars, we shouldn't go anywhere near that. But it, it kind of feels like we should, you know, work with what we have rather than just trying to run off and find alternatives to everything. And then, okay, so let me ask you this then. When do you give up on all of this? I personally don't plan on it. Okay, well, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> at some point, you know, we may have to just cut and run. Oh, yeah, no, it's, like I said, not, <laughs> not super wooly, not super wooly, but... All right, so let me ask you about smart homes and smart home devices. How do you feel about those things? I'm wooly. Um, one of them, I, I will blame the old Disney Channel original movie, Smart House, for part of my bias because that's one of those things that, granted, I was a kid, but it was like, oh, the house starts taking on a personality and it holds the family hostage. And oh, yeah. So part of me is a little biased because of that. And then also, you know, fill in name of device here because I don't want to play favorites. Might tell you that, you know, they're not listening and they're not collecting data. I'm like, but I really don't know that. Oh, they're 100%. I'm like, data, no, yeah. you, you guys are. So I'm... I see their use. I see the utility, but I don't think it's nearly as straightforward as everyone wants them to be. So do you own a home now? Yeah, I, I got a, um, you mean one of the, one of the devices or actually own a home? Oh, a home? no. Do you, are you a homeowner? No, I am a renter. Yeah. So when you buy a home and I'm just going to put this out there for you, just a little advice. Uh, it does feel like it takes a personality of its own and it does take over your life. It does really trap you. I'm glad I've been forewarned. All you're doing with the uh, smart devices is just putting a voice on it. Which makes it infinitely creepier. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so speaking of infinitely creepier, uh, maybe you like this and maybe you don't. Amazon Go. Have you heard about this new store concept out in the Seattle area? Vaguely. Like I have heard the term that it's, you know, that they are working on this Amazon Go thing, but yep. I don't really know what it is. So just opened uh, last week or the week before, but the idea is that you can walk in. It's essentially a nice convenience store mm -hmm. and you can put stuff in your bag and walk right out. So the only thing you have to do before you go in there is download the app, connect your Amazon account to it, walk in, grab the stuff you want, walk out, no cashiers. It's just tracking everything you put in your bag and charging you accordingly. Hmm. Personally, for me, if I were to do it, I'd say wild because I'm very organized and would, you know, be honest about it and everything else. As a business concept, I feel like it really, really is going to depend on where you put that. Yes. Because I feel like that's asking for business trouble, depending on, you know, I mean, what happens if you do put something in the bag that you didn't, you know, do the app with? Oh, yeah. you can't go in without the app. Okay. So you actually okay. have That's... to. So there are people there. Okay, because yeah, you said no cashiers. I was thinking yeah, empty store, yeah, yeah, which is yeah. stuff. No, okay, no, no, That's... no. Yeah, there are some people there to help and do all that stuff. But the idea is that you would have to have the app in order to go in. So it's almost like a um, uh, a gated entrance. Yeah, right? that makes like more sense. It's the, it's the bottle service. You can't get in without having the right. uh, the VIP uh, thing to get in. Okay, I'll, I'll stay wild on that. Okay. With the caveat that it's it's new and we don't really know how it's going to pan out. Right, but. no, I'll, I'll give you that one. It does sound fun, though. I mean, some people have said that, okay, well, I don't get to interact with any humans. 
And sometimes I feel like ah, that's, I'm okay with that. Sometimes I'm good with not talking for a while. Depending on the circumstances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the day or the, uh, the, the movie that I've just seen that I may have been disappointed with. Uh, award season. How do you feel about award season? Wild or woolly? Woolly. I'm, I'm kind of ambivalent, really. I don't really pay much attention to it. So you're not looking at the red carpet and the and the dresses and the as no. much as I am apparently. No, there's only a few occasional things where I really care. Congratulations, Gary Oldman, on your Golden Globe. We're still waiting for your your Oscar, your Emmy. But congratulations for Darkest Hour, Gary Oldman. So there's a few occasional things oh, where I care. Nice. Yeah, but uh, most he of the time, a long time ago. Yeah, he should have. Yeah, yeah most of the time, I don't really follow it. Okay, zombies. Speaking of being followed. Uh, that's gonna be woolly. I'm I'm more on the vampire side of the fence, so okay. zombies are lower undead. I'm I'm not real fond of them. Gotcha, gotcha. So you rank okay. So vampires are near the top, at the top, as far as the undead goes. Yeah. Zombies are the bottom dwellers. I, I'm gonna put them toward the bottom, but I'm gonna say yield reanimated skeletons. As oh, you call yeah. would probably be lower because they they don't have any meat on their bones. Literally, yeah, but they're, I like they're them nothing. better. They're better dancers, I feel like. That's true. Dem bones. Yeah. Dem bones. Yeah. And then what other undead creatures are there? Well, that's, I mean, that would be the core group. You could you could get into the, you know, ye old D&D monster manual of all the let's subtle gradations, yeah, but yeah, let's yeah, not yeah, do yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Speaking of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, taking your phone in the bathroom. Uh, wild or woolly? Yeah. I'll say wild, but it's a mild wild. Is a mild wild? Like, I mean, if you're already if you're already on the phone or you're it's a already, mill wheel. it could be, could be. If you're already on the phone, yeah, I mean, you know, at that point, it's a matter of you know, do I cut the conversation and then have to recall somebody, which is potentially inconvenient for everybody involved, right? Or you know, I mean, it's it's if you're just on the phone on the phone, you know, they don't even necessarily know. So, do you alert them? Do you give them a choice? Do you say, hey, listen? I'm going into the restroom area. <laughs> Do you want me to call you back or you want to keep this conversation going? Because I, mean, I feel like we're getting somewhere. I mean, that could be personal preference. But I personally feel like, you know, if you're just going to continue the conversation, there's no reason to tell them. No, no. I mean, you know, they're so doing they go, what they're doing wherever hey, they are. The acoustics have changed subtly since we you, started You just say I went in the other room. Yeah. That's all you do. All right. Good. Some uh, phone etiquette notes with Jennifer Ritter. Good morning. Uh, we're taking your call. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about coffee? Wooly. I do not drink coffee. Don't drink coffee. Nope. Are you a caffeinated person or a decaffeinated person? I uh, mean, as far as in life. Oh, um... I primarily drink water, but I'm not opposed. Like, I'll have a soda every now and again. Or yeah. I mean, I'm, I'd say compared to most people, I'm decaf, but I'm not anti-caffeine. Yeah, you're not anti-caf, you're just decaf. Yeah. You're, you're, you're on a natural high. Mm, oxygen. Okay, great. Yes, oxygen high. Great, yeah, that's <laughs> always good for everybody. Uh, where are you, let's go back to technology for a second, on driverless cars. <sighs> I'm going to say... Wooly, but again, it's it's a mild wooly because there's a lot of pros and cons both ways. Because I mean, cars are incredibly dangerous machines. Mm -hmm. I mean, That's more people die in car crashes than I mean, I think a number of wars. Um, so I mean, I feel like a program or something when working appropriately would probably 
you know, it would free up a lot of people's time because if mm-hmm. you're not driving, you can be doing other things. Productivity, productivity shoots Productivity right shoots up. You know, you don't have to or worry about other... watching Netflix shoots up. Or, or that too, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, laws would be obeyed more and everything else. But at the same time, if and when something goes wrong, whether it's with an individual vehicle or a system, that would be a nightmare. Right. So it's a mild bully because it's one of those things where if it works as intended constantly, which nothing ever does, that would be amazing. But the possibility of something going horribly wrong, if well, it were to happen, some point, is at some pretty point, scary. The computer, the algorithm, the AI has to make a choice, right? Like it's going to, there's going to be accidents. Yeah, I mean, it's going to happen, whether it's just, you know, bad programming, you know, something skipped a line, somebody forgot to close a line of code, or whether it's, you know, something didn't update when it was supposed to. New traffic law didn't make it into the system for a certain grid. Uploading, uploading, yeah. uploading. Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. All right. And let's go to cinematic. So you're a big movie buff. My, I'd say, I'd say mid, mid-grade movie buff. Well, okay. So background-wise, history degree. Mm-hmm. And so are you more into the reading element of fantasy sci-fi? I, I like I like the films and the reading on a lot of it. Um, it's just I don't have a lot of time to follow a whole lot of movies these days. Like I don't have Netflix. I don't have Hulu. Um, I go to the movies occasionally, mm-hmm. you know, AMC down the road sort of thing. But I've got so much else going on. I'm. We actually made a list. Speaking of New Year's resolutions earlier, of of films to actually watch. So instead of just saying, "Oh, I should watch that," I actually have a a list now. Oh, nice. So trying to start working on knocking things off said list. So then where do you stand? So you, your time is at a premium. Mm. Uh, and so your movie-going experience, you might want to save that based on your list uh, elements and what you have on there. Uh, for maybe some of the bigger movies, some of the more critically acclaimed movies, how do you feel about cinematic universes? Uh, I'm going to say wild. Mm-hmm. Um, in that I, I had a lot of reservations about a lot of the cinematic universe franchise stuff that's come out, you know, last however many years, you know, um, yeah, Marvel, Marvel Star Wars, DC, whatever else being a lot yeah. of them. Um, but I, I think my biggest gripe with them, and it depends on which universe you're talking about, is the ones where they kind of expect you to have watched everything leading up for to anything it, yeah. to make sense. I feel Nothing like that's kind of a, a disservice to the viewer, sort of. Yeah. But I feel like they, they've done a much better job keeping things kind of cohesive than I had initially kind of been nervous about them doing. Um, so, I mean, it, it is a cash grab, but if it's something that you like, then, you know, are you going to complain? Right. <laughs> if there's more of it. That's an so. interesting point because if you look at, uh, so Lucasfilm, for example, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you have two big cinematic universes there. You have Indiana Jones uh, and you have Star Wars. Right. Uh, Star Wars, with the exception of some of these standalone stories, they're doing Rogue One, mm-hmm. uh, the Han Solo movie, which is coming out. But even those will be extensions, I think, to an extent. Right, they're, they're the spinoffs. They're trilogies and everything yeah. else, yeah. Uh, but... I don't know that any of the episodes are really that standalone. I don't know if you could sit down and watch it and maybe go, yes, I understand what happened at the beginning. I understand the middle and I understand the end, but not being able to take a step back and see the rest of it. Whereas Indiana Jones, even though they do some callbacks to previous uh, uh, movies, and we'll just pretend that that Crystal Skull one never happened, of course, uh, they still are very standalone. Much more so than, than Star Wars, yeah, probably. Yeah, so I could see that because if you're not going to invest the time to see all of them, then... You're, you're missing a good chunk. Yeah. yeah, then you're, well, you're kind of missing the point, but is 
is that better, right? Like, is it better that they made them that way then? I think it depends on the individual. I mean, yeah. if you are just kind of a casual moviegoer of, hey, that looks interesting, I want to go see it, and you're not really in something for the long haul, then I think in a case like that, one of the bigger franchise ones, you know, you might it might not be as much enjoyed enjoyable for you as it would be for someone who's followed it all but i think that's personal preference yeah i'm not casual about anything so that that really is foreign to so me. they're wild for you then you like the franchises uh i will watch them all just because uh so much of it has to do with uh from when i was a kid mm-hmm. so the idea of star wars obviously i saw when i was you know knee high to a grasshopper and then all the marvel stuff all the dc mm-hmm. stuff i mm-hmm. used to read i don't like it so a lot of it's hate watching <laughs> to be honest with you uh, so there's that. Although I am excited about some of the, you know, you also have the context around something like Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. So it's bigger than just another entry into the DC cinematic universe. Right. Uh, Black Panther, too, to an extent. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important, too, to go out and see those things uh, because it gives it a little more context. And, you know, it's funny talking to somebody who maybe just sees Wonder Woman and has never seen any of the other right. uh, superhero movies. And they go, yeah, that was an average superhero movie or something along those lines, mm-hmm. right? Whatever your opinion is of it. But if you don't have the context of uh, women in comic books, female directors mm-hmm. in cinema uh, and everything else that goes along with it, then maybe there is a, something a little bit more to it. Yeah, no, there definitely can be. I was talking to somebody about the um, the last Star Wars movie, mm-hmm. and, you know, it, it, there's so much around uh, Carrie Fisher and Leia right. uh, in it. Uh, and so she was incredibly emotional about that because she grew up with Leia. She grew mm-hmm. up with Princess Leia. Oh, yeah, no, she Carrie was reprising and, a role yeah. from very early in her career. And so this yeah. was an important touchstone for this person in terms of watching the movie. So I was like, you know, that that puts a little bit of a different spin on it for it me. It does. Then. Yeah. So, okay, enough about me. Let's get back to you. <laughs> uh, cursive, learning cursive, uh, states are starting to require it again, that schools teach it to students. Did you learn cursive? And how do you feel about it? While I'm, woolly? I'm woolly about cursive. And yes, I did learn it. And that's why I'm woolly about it. Because they spent all this time stressing to us how important it was going to be and how when you got into college, everything that you wrote was going to have to be in cursive. And if it wasn't in cursive, they were going to fail you on the assignments and that you literally had to do everything in cursive. And then I never needed it ever again, except to sign my signature on documents because Where everything is tight. to school? Pinellas County. Pinellas yeah, County, Florida. Okay. Well, that and, may be um, a place to yeah, and that was watch that's that's why I personally and it's a good it's a good county in terms of schooling for Florida, which is saying something. Um, but that was that's my primary beef with it is that I don't think you know that handwriting is a bad thing. I think you should if you're going to write something, it should be legible. But just oh, the emphasis. A, I'm hold on. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> I'm going to type that in. Exactly. You yeah. know, it's one of those things where I I do believe that there is still a place for legible handwriting in the world. But cursive, not so much. I mean, in terms of it being mandatory. I mean, it's kind of like if you want to go learn it, go learn it. You know, if you want to have foofy looking handwriting or you want to be a doctor or a lawyer and you don't want anyone to read what you're writing, that's fine. But I don't think that should be a requirement. There are so many other more important things like, oh, I don't know, time management or, you know. any Yeah, any number of things. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, proper knee etiquette. How to sit at a desk without, you know, straining your muscles or getting eye strain when you're sitting at a computer for six hours a day. 
which oh, are which are actual things. How do you I, do that? Can we go into that? Can we do a can we just do a spinoff? Yeah, I, I podcast? could. Well, I could do a really short bullet point one right now. Um, oh uh, no, that's light okay. filters we for don't the computer. For <laughs> uh, so let's go to Wilder Woolly, uh, Space Junk, hurtling down to Earth. So we're gonna have um, China's Tianyang One space station is gonna crash. I think either late this month, early next. Woolly, I mean, things falling from space is is just generally not a good thing. I mean, if it has to happen, it has to happen, but, uh, you know. Does it make you a little bit excited about life? Does it make you want to embrace life a little bit more? Or does it make you just want to stay in this basement of this building? I mean, it's not going to stop me from going out and doing things, mm -hmm. but it's like, don't really, you know, it's not something where like, oh my gosh, space junk, that's awesome. So, yeah, I'm going to say Wooly on that. Well, it could be if you find some of the space junk. It could be. I mean, is, is one person's space junk still another person's treasure? Does At that count if it's cosmic? Yes. Yes, that's always the case. I think I'm thinking I would probably need an actual concrete example of this is the type of space junk that would be dropping. Well, we'll get you some concrete from space then. Okay. So oh, space literal, concrete. yeah, literal concrete proof. Uh, the beach, wild or woolly? Gonna say woolly. I mean, I'm I'm a Floridian. So you grew it's, up in Florida. I grew up in Florida. It's one of those things where the beach is there. It's it exists. It's usually full of tourists. The parking is usually an utter nightmare. There's sand everywhere. It can be fun, but it really depends on a lot of factors. So I'm, I'm going to say in general, woolly. Okay. Very good. Tiny houses. I'm going to say wild. It's it's a neat little concept. And if you, if you can manage to get all your stuff minimized down enough to that and still enjoy your life and invest in experiences and not have as much upkeep power to you. Um, I personally, although I am a tiny enough person that I could probably do it, I don't know if I could be confined to that small a space and, and be able to be okay with it. So power to the people who can do tiny houses. I like it how you were starting to describe and think about you in the tiny place and you started like scratching and <laughs> starting to get a little bit uh, claustrophobic there. So uh, wild to the concept woolly on you doing it yeah I, how do you feel about the whole minimalism movement like you don't actually technically need a tiny house could you just get rid of all the stuff that doesn't bring you joy hmm now is this a wilder woolly question or I'm is just this an extension okay you. it's yeah, an yeah, extension yeah, yeah. okay so, I don't have so to are you one. how pack radish are you i'm i i do have a storage unit mm -hmm. um which largely had to do with you know i had a lot of stuff at a you know family member's place and then i moved into my apartment obviously had a lot less square footage um and i actually just went through all the boxes the other day didn't take everything out but most of it was books mm. and it's one of those things where i was like you know i could donate i could get rid of them but like they're books and i i am very much a reader i am a book person and you know, they are something that bring me joy, but right now I don't have the space for them. So I think a lot of it depends on, you know, are you keeping things just because you're just keeping them because they're there or are you keeping them because they mean something to you? Um, so I, I'd say I'm less pack radish than I used to be. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, if again, minimalism kind of being a personal lifestyle choice, if that works well for you and it, it does bring you some clarity power to you individually um me I, i'm trying to downsize some of my stuff but the books is going to be an issue yeah the books the books are yeah. uh, you know i need more shelves <laughs> nice all right last question for now the dessert not the person cobbler wild or woolly oh that would definitely be wild 
Oh, okay. I like cobblers. Cobblers. Okay, so cobblers or pie? Probably cobblers. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm not real big on pie. I'm more of a cake person. Uh, so, yeah, that's what was going to be my next question. Yeah. Dessert of choice. Dessert of choice. Usually ice cream. Oh, what flavor? I'm pretty flexible, but it usually ends up being somewhere in the mint. It's like, you know, mint chocolate chips or like moose tracks. Moose yep. tracks is good stuff. Yep. Peanut butter is good. So let's just put all of that into one thing. So that would be the kitchen sink ice cream? Butter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I've ever actually had the kitchen sink ice cream. I know it exists. I don't know if I've Oh, I've we're just going to make it ourselves. It. Oh, we're doing homemade? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, not so much homemade as just taking a bunch of other ice creams and mashing well, them as together. Well, as long as you do that at home. I mean, yeah. That's yeah, kind of, oh, that's homemade. Home, home, home thrown together. <laughs> I, can, I can do home thrown together. Homemade is a very uh, technical and uh, specific oh. term. Well, thank you very much, Jennifer. So we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back and learn more about you professionally, what you were up to after graduating from Rollins, uh, the organization that you're with now, instructional design, uh, hat sizes, hat preferences, Mm -hmm. uh, because I feel like that's important. We don't take the time to learn about haberdashery anymore. And, uh, yep, so we'll come back here in a second. You're listening to a certain degree, and we're going to hear some uh, Nick Hakeem, because my name is Nick. Nick Hakeem's name is Nick. Bet she looks like you on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. I like that last bit. It sounds like lasers to me. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to a certain degree on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. My very special guest this week, Jennifer Ritter. Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning again, Nick. Thanks for thanks for still being here. Yeah. I appreciate that. It's a very comfortable chair. I mean, the doors are locked as well, but uh, Jennifer Ritter, uh, Rollins grad, I met you while you worked here as a work study mm-hmm. in the marketing department. Uh, let me ask you about coming out of high school before we get to your professional mm-hmm. career working at Digitech Interactive currently. Coming out of high school, did you always plan to go right into college? Yeah, I had always planned to go right into college. And really, that was kind of the only option that was ever presented, either from family or from guidance counselors or whoever. It was always, what college are you going to? It's not, what are you doing when you graduate? Mm-hmm. Uh, which was fine by me because I had planned on going to college anyway. Uh, knew I wanted to stay in state, you know, because I had, you know, pre Florida prepaid, the Florida prepaid, you know, various things like that that I would have lost if I'd gone elsewhere. So, you know, looked around um, some of the state institutions, a couple private ones. I'd also considered Stetson mm-hmm. up the road. Um, and it was really when I started doing those that I realized I wanted a smaller school because going to the larger ones, I just I felt like an ant. And some of them were just so concrete, block, institutional. I kind of, I kind of felt like I was at a prison. And I was like, if I were just commuting, maybe I could have handled that. But if I was going to live on campus. You're going to be on campus. I didn't want to live part there. part of the community. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and Rollins was actually the student body at the time I came to Rollins. And I'm, ter- I'm talking on campus. was actually smaller than my high school. I believe we were 1,800 students here at Rollins the year I started. And I was, uh, my high school, I think, was 2,400. So it was well within my size parameters. And obviously the campus here is not concrete blocks it is gorgeous no, mediterranean nice. lakeside nice. you know so that was that was good and i was looking at going into law actually had been my plan as we all do sometimes yeah i feel like anybody who whoever gets into a debate or an argument and thinks wow i did a good job wants to go into law at some point um so i you know took history here as my major because that tends to be a segue into law sure. school and also i'd loved history in high school so um went through here actually did stick with that as my major for all four years uh, took a minor in archaeology, had to ask my classmates to stop calling that combination dead people studies. Because although that might be an accurate term, I'm like, you guys are making it sound 
really creepy. Please so don't do that. That's an interesting concept because we might want to start um, branding some of the different combinations. So we could do that one could be called Hark because you could be uh, studying the past in order to get to the future. Ew. Yeah. That's a thought. Okay. Write so that one down. I'm going to write that one down, that one down. and we're going to come back to that as uh, potentials for the different uh, combinations of majors and minors. Got it. Okay. But yeah. So, you know, did that uh, history major, archaeology minor, did spend my four years with marketing and public relations. They were two departments and they were one department. And then I think mm -hmm. they might have been two. I don't remember, but I actually did get a lot out of that time there. That was uh, four years consecutive work study, same people. Um, learned a lot of very important, you know, office skills, people skills, business skill kind of stuff that you don't really get from classes. So actually that that has served me very well. Started doing a lot of writing for Arnett while I was there. Um, Arnett was the news uh, outlet. Yeah, the student intranet, uh, yeah. which I think still does exist in some format. There is right. still an Arnett link on the site. So from a writing perspective, you did a lot of writing there. You obviously did a lot of writing in your classes. Mm -hmm. And so that helped you a bit in terms of uh, getting ready for the job you're at now, which is uh, an instructional designer, essentially, and a content producer for Digitech Interactive. Is that correct? Yeah, no, it did help. Now, what ended up happening, obviously, I'm, I'm not in a history role now, um, was that I was actually planning on going to get a PhD, specifically in medieval studies, because I just love that whole period. Swords. Um, you know, among other things. Yeah, the plague. I mean, you know, plenty of exciting stuff going on. Well, that's why I said swords. Yes, swords, swords and the cool. plague. Oh, boy. So, right. you know, um, but then it turned out that all of the different program admission requirements uh, for PhD programs, master's programs, and that completely changed on me. And I was suddenly not eligible for a single one of the programs because I had originally been under the impression that, you know, you kept your grades up, you wrote your papers, and then when you got there, they would crash course you on Latin and Greek and, you know, the period languages mm -hmm. once you got there. And then you'd go into translation, teaching fellowships. And I love language. I mean, you know, relearning Spanish. So that would have been fine. And apparently they changed it so that you needed to already be translation proficient in Latin and Greek and usually a third language. Wow. All I had was modern Spanish and American English, so I didn't qualify for a single program. So coming off of that, I had to find something to do and actually went to the job fair here at Rollins. And they, you know, had a whole bunch of different things. And I was trying to bank on my marketing PR writing side of things. They had some magazines there. They had, you know, so I was putting my applications in. And I actually had a friend who pointed me over to this table, which turned out to be the Digitech Interactive table, and said, I think they're looking for a writer. And I looked at it, and they weren't listed in the people looking for writer section or whatever the case had been. And I'm like, it's a computer company, though. She goes, no, I talked to them. Go, I think you'll like them. Go talk to them. And um, I didn't. It turned out I actually had a mutual acquaintance with one of the people who were there, you know, struck up a conversation, you know, turned in my stuff and got the, oh, you know, we'll, we'll give you a call in a day or two, you know, which you hear all the time at job sure. fairs. So initially sure. I was like, OK, job that's, fairs, bars. Yeah, any number of places. Yeah, your parole officer. So I don't have that one, but, uh -huh. you know, I sure they call too. So, you know, yeah. I, I didn't think a whole lot of it, um, but they were the strongest lead I had. And then sure enough, next day, I happened to get a phone call between my classes, perfect timing, did a phone interview. They sent me a test assignment, which was um, designing, pretending, what was it? Pretending you don't have a budget and you can do it any way you want, uh, assuming that it has to be done through computer. So computer-based, internet-based kind of thing. How would you teach an eight-year-old to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich by themselves? 
And I happen to have extensive peanut butter and jelly sandwich making experience and actually, you know, did write this up and had to write it in a way that's not the way I make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because I've had multiple people over the years tell me that I make them incorrectly. So, yes, Nick's okay, making your face. Hang on. Let's let's just get into that for a second. I, you know, I'm the last person to go on a lot of tangents. Mm-hmm. But how do you make a peanut butter unless you're putting the bread in the middle? It's very difficult to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And that's what everyone says to me every time I bring this up. And then I explain how I make them. And nine times out of ten people go, oh, yeah, no, that's totally wrong. So let's see if you agree with the majority. Okay. I have two slices of bread. Uh I put peanut butter on one slice. Great. I clean the knife off on the clean slice of bread. And I put the jelly on top of the peanut butter on that same slice of bread. Okay. And then I put the other slice of bread, the cleanish one, on top and then cut in half. Apparently, the act of putting the jelly on top of the peanut butter on the same slice of bread is heresy. The only issue I would have with it, I think it's fine. The okay, only good. issue I would have with it, because you, there's also the the school of thought that you do peanut butter on both sides. So that that way you get a peanut butter seal around the to jelly. keep the jelly in. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially if you don't want your, it's going to be a while. You don't want the right. bread to get soggy, that sort of thing. You don't want it to leak out the sides. Um the only issue I have is I'm, I'm, I'm a purist when it comes to making sure the peanut butter and jelly in the jars don't never mix. touch. Which is why I clean the knife off on the other slice of yeah. bread. Yeah, I don't have that problem. Okay. I, I don't get it mixed in the jars. Yeah, so use a bread napkin. Yeah, I use a bread napkin, essentially. Yeah. And that way, because it's the other slice of bread, I'm just getting more peanut butter on my sandwich. Which is now that I have a beard uh, and something I would suggest if you ever consider having one. Right. Uh, is having a piece of bread as a napkin almost constantly. That makes sense because then you can eat it too. You're not wasting it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you can even eat it later, but it's just in your pocket, just like a handkerchief, and then you just wipe down. If you're not hungry then, you could always save it for later. Do you have a preference on type of bread? Like are there certain types of bread you should use over Always rye. Okay. I find the caraway seeds come in very handy. Okay, I could see a little bit of texture. Yeah. I, I could see also you could use that. As well, kind of for other reasons. For other reasons. Oh, for other things, too. Yeah. But anyway, so I did this test assignment for them on, uh, you know, peanut butter and jelly. And, you know, sent that in. They liked it. Went in, did the office tour. And uh, when I saw that they had a carnival-style popcorn machine and there was a cardboard cutout, like the old ones you could get from FYE Music back in the day when they were still relatively around, um, big old cardboard cutout of Legolas by some of the desks and whatnot. I was like, I think I can work here. Okay, Legolas, just in case you don't know, from the Lord of the Rings series. Yes. Played by Orlando Bloom. Yes. But, uh, you know, so, I mean, it, it wasn't cubicles. It wasn't 90-degree angles everywhere. It wasn't stuffy corporate suits. It was, you know, it was a great environment mm-hmm. and great people. And, I mean, you know, my peanut butter and jelly sandwich knowledge came in handy, Incredibly for, handy. for getting even into the yeah. interviews. So, for me, that's a great sign. So I want to get back to college and see, and high school and see if there was anything you would have done differently mm-hmm. there, any advice you might have for somebody going into college or currently in college. But instructional design is one of the mainstays of what Digitech Interactive does. Yeah. And so a lot of people don't know what this is. So, you know, one of the things that I got to do a couple of years ago is we started an instructional design certificate here at Rollins. So I did a lot of research on it mm-hmm. because one of the things that I do is I recruit students and I want to make sure that the students were getting, it's the right fit. And that you know what you're talking about. Yeah, and no. that I know what I'm talking about. Oftentimes, rather important to me, especially when it comes to work. But it, I find it really fascinating because the idea of instructional design, you think immediately your mind kind of goes, or if you're trying to explain it to somebody, you go, oh, it's learning on computers. It's online learning. 
And that's really not it at all. Really what instructional design comes down to, and as someone who's in it, mm -hmm. I want to see if you agree with this or if you have anything to add to it. It's this sort of um, philosophy of, okay, I'm taking a lesson, whatever that is, to peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And now I have to translate it for an audience and for the right medium for that audience, right? Because it might not be online. It might be in person. It might be over the phone in some way. Uh, is that pretty much it? And is there I'd, I'd say that's, that's a pretty fair textbook definition. Yeah. Uh, my personal definition is is a little different because I find trying to give the explanation to people, which obviously it being what I do, I, I have to give the explanation a lot. Um, people really don't get it when, yep. you, when you try explaining that. So the way I explain it to people when they ask me what it is, is that it's the art and science of making things make sense. Because there, there is a lot of science behind it, the way the human brain works, the way motivation works, the way memory works, the way getting attention, you know, pull, calling attention to things works. But there is also an art because if you do the absolute most efficient thing ever, you know, just put the key things on a static screen, do nothing, which I'm not saying is the most efficient, but for, you know, sake of conversation, it's easy. It's the easy, quick, certain right? Yeah. You don't have anybody's attention. Nobody cares. No one's going to pay attention to it. You click the next button until you get to the end. There's, you know, some generic true, false, multi-choice questions. Yes, they've completed the thing. Yes, they got 100%. They don't really even know what they took. It was so easy. They just got through it. They're not going to remember it tomorrow. It didn't do any good. So that's where a lot of the fun intersections come in, especially in the last couple of years. I've been very happy to see an uptick in interest in game design and um, the usual two terms, which are not the same thing, although they're frequently conflated to be the same thing, uh, gamification and mm -hmm. game-based learning. Um, very happy to see those, those taking more, you know, front stage in learning and development because really what is a game, but something that yes, usually for fun, but that you are learning how to do. If you don't know how to move your character or you don't know how to move to the next area or to solve the puzzle or whatever else, you can't get anywhere. And the whole point is that you're learning by doing. Mm -hmm. And failure is not a bad thing. Failure is something you learn that goes, okay, that didn't work. What can I do differently? It's much more organic. It's much more interesting. And it's an experience rather than just the dry PowerPoint sort of approach that you mentioned, where you remember it better. You have an emotional connection with it. And it's been really great to see that coming up. So, yeah, generally speaking, it's taking whatever the concept or topic is and then figuring out what is the best way that this can be conveyed to somebody, that they can learn it, that they can understand it, they can put it into practice. So I don't know if anything is uh, proprietary, but what are some of the things that you've had to translate for people as far as professionally goes? Mm -hmm. So I think that helps illustrate like yeah. kind of what an instructional designer does and, uh, you know, what the types of trainings or mm -hmm. uh, manuals that you're actually taking from this sort of dry uh, format environment. Yeah. yeah and, and trying to translate into something a little more engaging that people can relate to, interact with and take something away. Yeah, I can I can definitely give some general examples. Yeah. Um, you know, safety training is one thing that people, you know, you hear about a lot. Um, a lot of mandatory compliance stuff, which frankly gets a really bad rap because that's one of the things that people say is so dry and so boring. And the thing is, compliance training is can, when when people are willing to go there, can be utterly fascinating because the reason something is mandatory is because something really bad happened at some point mm -hmm. to someone or several someones. So when you get the latitude from a customer or a client or someone who's willing to go there, 
they can be very interesting. Um, new product release stuff, software training, because, you know, everything gets updated constantly, you know, so the how to use on the software, um, you know, some of it's, you know, informational stuff, uh, tourism sort of things, like these are the things that this place has to offer. Um, one of the really lovely things specifically with being at Digitech, we're, we're a third-party company. Mm-hmm. We are not, you know, the e-learning or the training division of X company. We are our own company. And we get, because of that, we get so many different projects from so many different companies, so many different sectors. Some of it is professional associations, some of it is nonprofit, some of it's corporate. Um, so just all these different things that I would otherwise have absolutely no reason to know anything about um, that you get exposure to, which, you know, as as an individual is very mentally stimulating because yeah. I'm not writing, you know, the food safety for this one restaurant chain every single day of my life. Right, right. Or I'm not doing the construction policies for this company every day. You know, it's it's bits and pieces of lots of different things. And what I would really imagine being a small organization too is you're pulled in in a lot of directions as far as creativity goes. So maybe you do some voiceover work, you're doing script writing and other kind of writing. And maybe I think I saw an article from you or one or two on the website as well. Mm-hmm. So you're getting to do a lot of different things. Yeah, a lot, a lot of different things. Uh, the joke is Jen of many trades. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is writing related. Yeah, the, the blog, I am one of the contributors to the company mm-hmm. blog. Um, when you're writing, you know, e-learning specifically, when it is something that does have narration or on-screen text, uh, you know, you're writing what's physically going to show up or what's going to be read. Um, sometimes there's, you know, how-to documents on things that need to be either written or updated going through doing those. So some of it's very technical and then other parts of it, like the blog are more on the creative side, uh, have done some voiceover work, not a whole lot. Cause we generally have some, you know, very talented individuals we work with to get narration and character voices. But occasionally if we need a scratch track for something as a placeholder right, right. or whatever else, um, have gotten to do some of those or directing those sessions. So yeah, it's, there's a lot going on. Um, and it's very rare to have two days that are identical. So if you ever need uh, someone like a super handsome narrator, maybe a little bit on the sarcastic side. Someone who's got the face for radio? I know a guy. Okay. Okay. I think I might also know this person. You may. You may. Uh, So going back a step, coming out of high school, college, coming out of college, maybe having that kind of existential scare that I Mm -hmm. think uh, I had as a college graduate. I think everybody has like, okay, now what? Uh, advice or, you know, it, it's always easy to look back mm-hmm. and go, oh, I would have done this, this, and this. But are there those things that you you would think that uh, you might be able to share with people either, you know, they're in ninth, 10th, 11th grade, yeah. or maybe they're like, would you have taken a gap year at any point? No, uh, I personally would not have taken a gap year. Although I did sort of end up in a roundabout way with a gap semester, kind of. Um, Rollins does a lot of international programs, which I had no interest in doing. Um, I am very much a, I'm very much a play it safe kind of person. Mm -hmm. And the notion of not just leaving the state, but leaving the country, um, was kind of terrifying for me, especially when it would be just me by myself essentially. And I wasn't necessarily going to know anyone else I was going with. Um, but I did, I spent a semester in Italy, which as history major, archaeology minor was a gold mine. And obviously, you know, Rollins doesn't offer Italian and I spoke Spanish. I didn't even speak the language when I got there. Um, And that was just such a wonderful experience from a life perspective. And segueing into the advice I would give, 
uh, was just there's such a different pace of life there where people still get things done. I mean, you have a job, you have deadlines, you know, whatever else. But it's not the stressful running around like a chicken with your head cut off kind of thing that we have here in the States. It was just, va bene, it's all good. You know, it'll get done. We'll just do it. Do what you need to do. And just that kind of detox from the constant stress. Because mm-hmm. I, I have been a serial worry wart. I'm a recovering perfectionist. Um, so the one thing I would say definitely, and not just for people in that age demographic, but in general, is to learn the difference between being prepared and worrying because one leads into the other. Being prepared is when you have things that you can do to, you know, make something more likely or go better or whatever else. And once you've hit the point where you've done everything you can to prepare and there is literally nothing left for you to do, once you have sent out that last application, that last whatever else, and it's just you waiting, don't worry. Because at that point, all you're doing is upsetting yourself and freaking yourself out Mm -hmm. and making your day-to-day stressful when you really don't have to. The people who get back to you will get back to you when they get back to you. The people who aren't going to get back to you aren't going to get back to you. And there is nothing you can do about that once you have done everything you can already do. And when you're living in a state of constant worry and constant stress, you're just making your own individual day-to-day life unpleasant. And really, that's one of the big ones is, is not, you know... Being concerned about something, like if there is a hurricane coming, as this is Florida, there's a difference between... You may have a little concern about that. Yeah, there's a difference between being concerned about that, you know, between I've done no prep at all and I'm not going to worry. That's just not a good idea. Mm -hmm. And then there's the, I have my stores, I've boarded up my windows, I'm watching everything, I've got my radio. You know, once you've hit that point and then you either decide if you're staying or leaving, but once you've done that, don't worry anymore. Because what's going to happen is going to happen. Um, So that's the one big one in general. And then um, something you and I talked about during the break was also that, you know, what you learn isn't a fixed thing, especially with, you know, technology changing so fast and Mm -hmm. science and new discoveries and everything. So many of the individual facts that you learn. Wait, are they still discovering things? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Space junk, man. Space junk. Space junk. (laughs) But, you know, is, is to learn skills more than just learning information. You know, we have Google. If you, if you really want to check, you know, the year something happened, Google it. You know, find a reputable course, Google it. But is learning how to do things, is learning processes, you know, scientific method, uh, learning research paper writing methodologies, is learning the hows, which is, is something that doesn't get, I think, as much emphasis as it should. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of things you can do in your own time or, you know, or even to just pay attention in the classes you are in beyond the literal, what am I learning? You know, you probably are going to come up with your own method for taking notes and things like that. And those are things that can be transferred to other fields or to other subjects. So would be, you know, not worry, do prepare, but don't worry once you get to the point of preparation. And then invest also in your skills and your how-tos, not just your what's. The soft skills especially. Yes. Uh, but then also learning how to put everything in context too. Yes, I context think. Context yeah. is actually one of the blog posts you had mentioned earlier is I wrote is about context. And I believe the beginning of it is something to the effect of, and then it exploded. You don't know if this is good or bad. I could be talking about a burrito that you left in the you know microwave for too long. I could be talking about a firework that went off when it was supposed to. Without context, you don't know if that's good or bad. It doesn't right. mean anything. So, right. you know, context is huge. Agreed. Yeah. So, 
anybody on social media should be listening to this right now. That'd be great. Uh, so let's take a break. <laughs> we're going to listen to some music, and then we're going to have some context around bad business ideas. Ooh, we're yeah. going to do a pop quiz. I figure you're coming back to Rollins. I might as well quiz you about course, things that course. are happening. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about, um, so a lot of writing. I want to talk about your creative process, because whether it's writing for work or writing for yourself or doing other things, you have a lot of side projects going yes. on. We can talk a little bit about that. Uh, what your creative process is. Are you an angry writer? Are you listening to death metal when you're writing, uh, which is looking at you? I'm going to say probably. Well, you know, <laughs> so we'll find out when we get to that segment. All right. So let's listen. That's a good tease uh, to some LCD sound system. This is called The Police on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. I'm just going to keep pressing buttons for a while. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, good morning. We're back on. Hey, uh, my name is Nick. That was Bed with Sunday on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Good morning, Jennifer Ritter. Thanks for coming back for hour two. Thank you. Thank you. Isn't it great how fast the show goes? It goes by so fast. Right? Isn't that great? It's a good start to a Monday while listening to Sunday. Wait, what? You said the name of the song, right? Name of the song was Sunday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It went by so fast. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, well, thank you for being here, Jennifer Ritter. Uh, and thank you for sitting through this next segment, which is, of course, bad business ideas. I am eager to see what we have. The segment of the show where I say, what if, and you think, WTF. Mm -hmm. uh, so have you listened to any of the past segments of bad business ideas? Do you know what it's all about? Yes, I have. I listened to two or three of them, I think. Okay, great. So, as you know, coming from a family of entrepreneurs and Ponzi scheme enthusiasts, this is just what we do. We just pitch each other ideas. So I thought, let me bring this to my guests. Let me bring this to the radio. And so it's not just pitching now. It's you would be catching one and running with it. By being on the show, I don't know if you saw this in the small print of your contract, you're uh, obligated now to, to... take on responsibility for 100%. And it sounds like you have a lot of time and uh, energy so I think this will be perfect for you in terms of uh, going through and doing one of these. Now, a lot of times bad business ideas are inspired by something that's happened in the past. But in these two cases, current events, 100%, taking advantage of what's going on in the industry, in the world right now. So there you go. Right, are you got? ready? I think so. Jennifer, may I call you Jennifer? Yes. Great. Uh, buying social media followers, that uh, was a pretty hot topic. It's <laughs> always been a little bit of a cagey sort of issue for a lot of people out there. Mm -hmm. Became a really hot topic last week when yep. the New York Times uh, sort of did a deep dive into one particular organization. A lot of celebrities, a lot of political figures, a lot of public figures were buying, as it turns out, and they had irrefutable proof, uh, their followers, especially on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And so the question comes up like, Okay, and a lot of these people reacted by deleting their account. One person got suspended at work. Uh, they are a public figure, a writer, I think, some sort of critic. And uh, they were, uh, he was uh, suspended at work from his newspaper that he worked for. So there's a lot of negative implications with having fake followers, right. if you will. So 
you know, will you be judged as fake yourself if you have a bunch of fake followers? Is this the business idea? Well, this is getting to it. Oh, well, I would say based on the reaction to it, that would be a resounding yes. Great, because that works out really well. Let me tell you about a new service called Too Few, and that's T-O-Few. What we try to do is get you to fewer followers, which is something I've always advocated. If you look at all my social media channels, I barely have any followers. Right, right. Do you think that's because I'm not putting out good content? Do you think it's because I'm not popular and I'm the best radio host possibly in this room at this time? No, it's because I've chosen not to get a lot of followers. Ah. So See, really, now, you're, now you're giving away your secrets. Well, choosing to not get a lot of followers and not getting a lot of followers, like the actual process of ah. or paring down your followers. How do you get rid of some of them uh, just in case? So really too few is about, you know, fewer followers is the new black. How do you get mm -hmm. there appropriately? How do you get there with the right combination of genuine followers, not fake followers, which is another way to say genuine. Right. And other people who are following you who are real people so that you can say, hey, I have 300 followers mm -hmm. and be proud of that. Right. So we're really also rebranding the idea that fewer followers is better. So back to the, the minimalist uh, Exactly. Approach. Okay. It's all exactly. connected. I see what you're doing here. Yeah. You like that? That's that's an interesting concept. Okay, right. so that's, that's too number few. One. Too few. Uh, another story. This is out of Great Britain, uh, which is pretty great. Let's face it, pretty great. So one of the things they enacted back in 2015 was a tax on plastic bags. So you had to pay hmm. a tax of 25 pence, which is I think around possibly it's some amount of thirty money. cents, yeah, 27, 30 cents. Uh, and so what they said was, I don't know if this is true, but they uh, they uh, dropped the use of these plastic bags by 80% just mm. by doing that. Fantastic. Better for the environment. Like I go and I try to recycle those bags right. at places and someplace I can't even find where they recycle them. Like mm -hmm. they hide that stuff. Right. And so it's very frustrating for me. So what they're looking at now is something that produces 2.5 billion uh, individual items every year into the landfill. Do you know what that is? Another tax. I'm going to guess styrofoam cups. That is correct. It's basically they're looking at a latte tax, mm -hmm. uh, as they're calling it uh, kind of funnily. Uh, that's that so, would that's be, so funny. We were all mad at them back in the day for taxing tea, and now they're taxing right, coffee. That's right, funny. the irony. <laughs> and I apologize. It was five cents tax, five pence tax on the bags is going to be a 25 pence tax that they're proposing on the cups. Mm -hmm. And so what they're ha hoping is a lot more people take their reusable cups mm -hmm. to the coffee shop rather than do that. Now, talking to some people, I did some research on this. Talking to some people who work in coffee shops, what do you think their initial uh, inhibition is towards this plan or their initial uh, reaction is towards this plan? Well, it's going to be a supplier issue probably because they've got you know contracts with or whatever else for whoever they're getting the cups from and obviously you know those companies are freaking out more so than the coffee shops themselves because you know if their actual product that they produce or right. or the department if it's the department within the company in question you know they they're gonna see a massive drop off in the in the cup usage theoretically right? yeah yeah uh, so that's where my mind went what i didn't realize and in talking to some coffee shop employees is People do bring their cups in mm -hmm. 
Yes, and, you've, got, you've got yours. Yeah. I see you. You're already practicing this. Uh, but sometimes they don't wash them. Mm. So does it become some sort of health or hygiene issue? Mm. Is it potentially like if you go, I don't know who is at fault. Like, let's say I gave them this cup and mm. I got sick because the cup wasn't clean. Right. Do they have to clean it first? What kind of cups are you bringing back? Like, are you bringing back the paper mm. cups that may not be good for two or three mm. or four uses? Do you wash them out? So that's the issue. Okay. So that's where I'm at in terms of finding the opportunity. Because mm-hmm. that's what I do. I look at the issue. I do some research. I do extensive research. Yes, yes, of course. I talk to nearly two people about this. And then I that's dive in. as many as one. That's I impressive. I dive in and find out where I can fit in. So what we have, 2.5 billion of these. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of cups. Clean cup. So what we have are basically the red box of reusable cups. Hmm. So you go in, you get your cup from there, and then you drink your thing, and then you put it back in, and you get maybe a deposit back, maybe 25 mm-hmm. cents back from us, but you've spent a dollar with us to get that cup in the first place, so you can save the 25 cent tax. Now that I'm thinking about it, that doesn't work. Math, math, the math can be redone. The yeah, concept so is still do, there. Let's, let's, do, let's forget let's, the numbers, okay. but go with the concept. But maybe you could keep the cup afterwards. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a good reusable cup, but it's relatively cheap. But we would clean it. Like when you put it back in, it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be clean. We'll steam it. We'll do whatever it is to it. And then you're ready for another cup. We don't serve the coffee, though. We don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. We don't have to worry about whether it's single source, double source, triple sourced. I can't remember which is better mm-hmm. when it comes to coffee. What kind of roast it has on it? Again, it's I'm literally not really just sure. cleaning the cups. It's just cups. It's just reusable cups. Don't throw these away. Now, are we including Bring thermoses in cups? We can have a variety of offers. Okay, a couple different right? models. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I, I would see think where this is we going. would go small, medium, large. Well, it's it's coffee. You can't yeah. call it that. Well, uh, you know, lenti, it's, it's very, yeah, whatever those and, are, and mo. Yes. I yes. think uh, would be good. Uh, something along that. Maybe it could be themed. Maybe we could have a Three Stooges. I don't know how much it would cost to get them to. All right. Uh, there, there, there are licensing opportunities sponsor. there. Yeah, I could see limited sponsor. time licensing yeah. opportunities there. But yeah, the idea is that you would go. Red box it, get your cup, mm-hmm. go in, get, and then eventually bring the cup back. So you didn't have to worry about cleaning it. The The coffee shops don't have to worry about, you know, your disgusting hygiene. Not yours. Yes. No, no, no. You, yeah. mean, you mean in the general sense of In the of, general of they, sense of the disgusting italic, people. Yes. 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 That, that sort of sense. Yeah. So that's it. What mm. do you think? Clean cup. Maybe able to come up with a better name than that. I just like mm. alliteration sometimes. But, yeah, the red box of reusable cups and then too few, which is making fewer followers mm-hmm. sexy. Definitely like and clean cup. Okay. Definitely. And I could, the, the one modification I'm seeing, because the problem you'd reach is that with, with your red box O cups, the, the box, actual red box, just has to hold the stuff. It doesn't have to do anything. The problem that I primarily see with mm. Clean Cup as the initial there is that you would basically need it to be a washing machine as well. Sure. Because the problem is if you just have the cups, given how many people go into any given coffee shop, 2.5 billion out. a year yeah. just in Great Britain. Right. But I mean, any individual coffee shop, I you know, see, you, I you see. would either need a person washing them, which defeats the whole purpose of doing this to begin with, or the machine would have to be in such a way where you have a part that is, you know, storing 
vending, whatnot, you know, receiving the cups, and then maybe a second half of it, think like two-sided fridge. Sure. Where the other side, once you put it I always in, think of two-sided fridges. There you go. Yeah. Where the other side of it is then doing the washing. I could see if, if you built in it actually washing the cups as part of the clean cup machine. Because that way you wouldn't need somebody to come pick them up, take them somewhere, clean them, bring them back. I mean, you might, you know, quarterly, you might need to put in a new set of the cups yeah, just because yeah. of how many washes or bleed on so your first or five hundred, however many it is per. I, I could, I could see that. I could, okay. I could see that being a thing. All right, it sounds like you're going to prototype it up in no time. <laughs> well, I feel you, like you've got a three D printer. Why don't based uh, on your make skills? A Based on your skill set, I think you can write up the specs and really train people on how <laughs> useful it would be. So I like that. Okay, so we're going to go with clean cup. Uh, I'm going to keep too few in the back of my pocket because, again, I feel like I'm living that right now. Mm -hmm. And so having so few followers as I do, uh, I think I can sell that as I'm doing it on purpose. I think, the, I think the thing you might want to do with that one for business idea-wise is the primary problem with it, and this is why I went with Clean Cup, is that because it's a process, mm -hmm. it's, a th it's not a, a thing thing, like New Year's resolutions, it's really hard to get people to actually stick to a process. I feel like if you could find, ironically enough... Oh, no, they would pay us to do it. Oh, so it'd be a service. It's a paid it's service. It's a service. It's a paid yeah. service. Okay, yeah, that's, that's a little better for business. I'm not sharing this stuff for free. No. I'm no. not sharing my secrets on how to get too few uh, followers. Because I was thinking you were going like the health route where it's like a day-long seminar and they just come and they nice. learn it and then they go out. And okay, I'm like, that's well, not going to work. You know what? That's not a bad idea if we do like a 30-day sort of cleanse uh uh social that would, media that would be it too it'd be a social media cleanse that could yeah. be your kickoff for it. and then the rest of it is the continuation program do you like a maintenance program on it yeah you guys do like a monthly check-in with them clean them out okay let's yeah, make it longer term rather I than single feel event. like long -term. you may be turning the corner here no, no, i'm sticking onto, with clean cup okay, i clean like cup it is. but if you're if you're gonna go somewhere <laughs> with too few i'm just giving you some ideas for okay health of the product i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it okay yeah, no, clean cup very is fine. good jennifer thank you so much <laughs> it is 100 percent yours i expect uh uh pnl statements and a check do i need to write up sows yes marketing plan ah, 100 you're gonna have so much fun with this and you're not gonna need me for anything except to share the profits with i might ask for your input on the logo Oh, maybe. I hope that's okay. Maybe. I mean, that like, sounds like a lot of work for me i'm already on to the next business ideas see these are my babies until I give them to you. Oh, you hash them and just your kick them out. There you go. Yeah, good luck with that. All right, let's hear another song. This is Marika Hackman with a boyfriend, and we'll be back and talking music, creative process, and we'll have a pop quiz for Jennifer Ritter <gasps> in a little bit on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. Marika Davis with boyfriend on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. My name is Nick. I do this every week from 7 to 9, and every week I have a very special guest. This week is no exception, although I did say the person's name wrong. It's Marika Hackman with Boyfriend. I don't know where I got Davis from. And you're Jennifer Ritter, so it's not like it came from your name. Yeah, yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe she's going to get married someday. Maybe I was seeing the future for Marika Hackman. Marika Hackman, big-time listener, so I know she's out there. Uh, I apologize for mispronouncing your name, but... Be on the lookout for some dude with the last name Davis if you're going to take somebody's name. Or a lady with some with the last name Davis. Doesn't matter. Beware people with the last name Davis. You, you should probably just do that. You should probably. <laughs> Long-term relationships. Oh, boy. Uh, okay. My so name is still Jennifer Ritter. Jennifer Ritter is here. Well, let me try to talk my way out of this one. Good morning, Jennifer. Hey, morning, Nick. Hey, thanks for being here. 
Uh, so we've talked a little bit about what you do on a day-to-day basis, which is instructional design. Uh, very creative uh, in terms of what you have to do because what you're doing is translating lessons for people in a way that best conveys that lesson. And so I was thinking about the creative process for you, knowing you're a creative person. So uh, back when we worked together, you were working on a Star Wars fan film Mm -hmm. uh, for a long time, uh, and that still might be out there. But I know that you also do a lot of writing, a lot of creative writing. Uh, You do some editing on the side. Being a history major has given you some some good perspective around these things, obviously, and some good context. Uh, So what is... What are some of the things you're working on and what is your creative process for coming up with it? So let's start with work mm-hmm. and then go to some of the side projects that you have. Yeah, no, well, starting with work, I mean, the first one for writing that comes to mind obviously, is the blog. I mean, that's what blogs are. Um, so the process on that one largely is when I have an idea, I just I have a running list of ideas uh, for blog topics. And then just we- blog topics. Yeah. Um, a running list of ideas for um, hat styles? No, because since that list is specifically for the blog, I got to keep the hat stuff elsewhere. Um, okay. But I'm thinking you're missing an opportunity there. I could be. I okay. could be. But um, in terms of the work side of it, you know, I, I keep a running list. So whenever I have an idea, even if I'm in the middle of working on something else, I just take a minute, jot down potential title, one or two sentences about what the idea, you know, would be for the post. And then when the time comes to sit down and write something, when I actually have a couple of minutes to, to do so, um, I just go through the list, read off the ones I haven't done yet, pick the one that's calling to me that day, and I start drafting. Uh, go from there. Are you listening to music? Are you, like, obviously you're doing some, maybe some research on it? Depends on the day and depends on the topic. Some of them are more research heavy. Some of them are more based off of personal experience, so they don't require as much. Some days uh, I've got music, some days I don't. Uh, Depends on, you know, where I'm at. Uh, One thing with the music side that I, I have noted is that I need to be listening to a fixed set of music. Like, it has to be a specific album or a specific playlist and I say specific in the sense of like I can't do Pandora uh, while so I'm actively too much working. variety will distract. Yeah, because I because moment. I want to listen to it. If I haven't, if it's stuff I haven't heard before, but it's similar to things that I like, I then want to listen to it. Um, no, I mean if I'm just cleaning the house and I have background music on or something, Pandora is fine. But generally speaking, if it's while I'm working, really working on something, it's it's got to be things that I'm already familiar with. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it I get distracted because I want to hear it. So do you have specific artists or playlists that you have already? Yeah, I have a couple playlists that I've already thrown together of various things. You know, some of them are instrumental. Some of them are not, Um, you know, a couple different moods worth of them. You know, some of them are, you know, quieter things. Some of them are higher energy. So it depends on where I am any given day uh, or what I'm working on. So that's that's a lot of the blog style stuff. And then the, you know, the ones for the actual courses, the narration, whatever else that that's a little more you know, plotted out already because mm-hmm. it needs to contain certain things. So that's that's more about how to put it together than what you're right, writing. connecting the dots, um, yeah. It's more along those lines. And then, you know, personal sideline stuff. Um, yeah, no, my, my fiancé and I are working on a number of, of books together. We've already got a lot of the conventions. Uh, we, you and I talked about it earlier before we started the show, very briefly, um, where, you know, medieval fantasy, not young adult, um, 
but you know those are still in the early stages don't officially have working titles yet but those have been a very interesting process because they've been a, a different creative process for me and it's the only thing i've ever worked on really using that process where we just kind of have an initial jumping off idea for you know a concept a scene a character whatever it mm -hmm. is that starts the whole shebang and then we back and forth it almost as if it were a radio drama we kind of talk through it and then would, you know, after the fact, you know, jot down notes. You know, this is, you know, this person said this, this went, you know, these went here, this plot twist happened, whatever else, and just kind of keep a running list of them. And then by the time we get to the end of, you know, the chapter, the book, however far it is we're going at whatever time, then go back and kind of edit down from there and look at it and say, okay, this character never showed up again. We probably don't need them. Or this conversation didn't go anywhere. Maybe we can cut that. Or this was really interesting, and I think that could tie into something later. Let's flag that. Maybe that's going to end up being foreshadowing for something. So it's been very interesting because it's been a lot more organic. Mm -hmm. Because rather than it just being, you know, one person sitting drafting and then handing something to somebody else to say, hey, can you give me your feedback? We're literally working on it together. Um, which which does increase the process time a lot because, you know, you both have to be in the same space or on the phone or whatever the case. We usually do them in person. We never, we didn't do them remotely. But you also have to both be in a creative mindset. You can't really force it because if you do, you, you don't come up with much and what you do isn't very good. Or if one of you is hungry, the the scene is all going to be about food. Yeah, you know, yeah. stopping at the end. What kind of stew do you have? You know, it's, it's you know, so it, it does make the process take a lot longer but it's a more organic level of more collaboration mm -hmm. than you get from a lot of the, the standard ones. So that's that's been very nice, um, you know, hoping to be able to get those published at some point, but we're not there yet. Well, what's interesting about the process is it sounds very much like a an improv approach. So uh, a lot of people who do scripted stuff uh, start and by improv mm -hmm. the scene first. I, I like this part, this part, this part, this part didn't really work. Let's try to explore that, and then they write it out. So that's what it sounds like. Yeah, it's it's similar too, and we we do both have to varying degrees. We do both have backgrounds in theater, um, and in varying degrees, although not necessarily formal. You know, we are both good at improving things, um, whether that be you know song lyrics or you know, I, I did take some. Imp Actually, I had one it was a single one day Welcome to Rollins kind of crash course improv thing with um, Dr. David Charles. Um, I don't know if he's still here. He's anymore. still here. He's still, he's here. still performing down at that comedy Does lab, he? of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, but yeah. So I, I literally it was like one class session of improv with Dr. D. So um, it, it is. It is very similar. Only instead of just kind of doing it and then going, it, it, it takes a little more time since it's novel length, and obviously can't sit down and do a single improv sitting for a novel in one go that doesn't work so well but then you know there'll be other times where we'll just have an idea for an individual plot thread or something that's that's longer than an individual scene or concept where we will just sit down and talk it out kind of you know right. like you and me talking here yeah, yeah, about yeah. stuff um you know where we'll just kind of have a loose outline and then go from there so at the moment you know we've we've done a decent amount of of those so that's that's been a very interesting process in one piece of uh software not product not process but software that i would recommend to pretty much any writer to at least give a try because it's a freebie and it can do a lot um is this program called scrivener s-c-r-i-v-e-n-e-r -E um i think produced by literary latte i think is the name of the organization mm -hmm. and it's like word on like 
steroids. It lets you split screen. It lets you reorder. You, you write by scenes or note cards or whatever else, and you can reorder them. You can split screen. Oh, yeah. It has templates for character profiles, for location stuff. There's a place you can put research. It's got the usual spell check and bold and all that kind of stuff. Um, it can do formatting for you. It's got settings for novels. It's got settings for screenplays. It's got settings for stage plays. Uh, it does a lot of the front and back work in terms of the paper. It helps with the typesetting. Um, and you can get, unless they've changed it since I last checked, it's a 30-day free trial. And it's not 30 days in the sense of 30 calendar days or whatever else. It's literally 30 days worth of use. So if oh, you neat. buy it on whatever day or buy, if you if sign you up for it, it on yeah. whatever day and you only spend an hour on it and then you don't touch it for six months and you start again, you still have 29 days and 23, 23 hours, hours left. Neat. So we had it for, I think, a good year and a half before we finally ran out the trial and then got the software. <laughs> um, it's much more helpful, I, was, I would say, for my fiance than it is for me because I'm much more linear when I write. So for me, word is usually sufficient because I can just go from top to bottom and be pretty good. But if you're a nonlinear writer and you just have an idea for a scene, a conversation, a, you know, single thing, you can just make the card and stick it wherever. And then when you figure out where it's supposed to go, just move it there. Hmm. You don't have to worry about copy pasting. You literally just move stuff. It's, there are people who have made, I think, CDs or books and whatever just on how to use this software because it does so much more than most people who use it are actually aware of. So that's one thing that I would recommend for pretty much anybody who writes to just give it a try. Um, it might super work for you. It might not really. But even if it doesn't, I believe, and don't quote me on this, I believe you can export to Word. So even if you were to take the trial and not really like it, you can still keep what you wrote, assuming that I'm remembering that feature correctly. Sure. So I, I do highly recommend that to anybody who writes. So when, and obviously this is Scrivener Talk brought to you by Scrivener. <laughs> Uh, so if you have any questions on it, we have our, our uh, subject matter expert here, Jennifer Ritter. Oh, I'm a SME now. That's that's an instructional design term. A SME is subject matter expert. You are you are so SME. You're practically a, oh. a SME goal. Yes. Gollum. Anyway. You're so SME and you don't even know it. Uh, okay, well, that's good. That's, um, you know, that's a little, uh, it's funny because I'm actually looking over here and I have the program right here. I purchased it years ago. Did you really? And I've never really even remotely used it. So I like this because <laughs> uh, you are going to give me the uh, the impetus and the motivation to actually go in and go try it out. Go poke it. Go see what yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I absolutely need to do that. Um Getting started, though, you mentioned going into that creative place and having somebody you're going to collaborate with often helps, right? Mm -hmm. Like it gives you a little bit of extra motivation. It gives you a sense of obligation that you may not yes. have if you're just working on something by yourself. Is there something you do like I'm, I'm stuck, let me go for a walk or uh, I can't think of anything here. Uh, let me uh, let me just put it up and I'll come back to it in a week or 10 days or something along those lines. Yeah, I don't have a formal process for it uh, per se, like a specific, if this happens, then I will do this. But generally speaking, um, taking breaks is very important. Taking, you know, whether it's a walk or whatever else it is. Um, and, and this actually instructional design speaks to this as well, is that once you've been thinking on something for so long that your brain is just kind of skipping and you're not really... Either, the details either, yeah, anymore, you're, yeah. you're either not seeing it anymore or you're so focused on it that you're starting to get frustrated. 
you're you're not you're not at your best. You're not operating at optimal efficiency. You're not open for creativity. You're just beating beating the dead horse for to use the old phrase. Um, so definitely taking a break does help. And sometimes, you know, sometimes the taking something to another person, usually an outside person, if you're really, really super stuck, let's say this is either an individual project and you don't have a collaborator or you and your collaborator are both stuck. You are you are in a dead end. You have no idea what the heck is going on or what to do next. Uh, bring it to an outside person and don't give them either don't give them any context at all or just give them like, you know, the utter bare bones of what they would need to have any comprehension of what right, they're looking right, at, right. period. Because a lot of the time, when you bring someone in from the outside who doesn't have all the minutiae up in their head... New set of some, eyes. Yeah, yeah, new set of eyes. Sometimes the answer is completely obvious to them, but you're so close to the material that you don't see it. And actually, that's one thing with instructional design and working as I do, is that one question, because you mentioned SMEs, a uh, subject matter expert is an expert in whatever the thing is, if it's mm -hmm. the program, if it's the safety measure, the new product. Some people say, well, if we already have a SME, why do we need instructional designers? We already have people who know everything. The problem a lot of the time is that when you're close to your own material, whether it's for work or for a creative project, you do miss those things. Right. You miss what is obvious to someone on the outside, or you don't see an alternate way other than the way you learned or the way you looked at it, because that's what you're used to. And that's human nature. That's totally fine. Well, a good example of that is uh, you're talking about SMEs is acronyms, right? Yes. Like some yes. subject matter experts will not realize or just take for granted that not everybody knows what that stands no, for. No, acronyms or or even just jargon, even yeah. if it's not an yeah, acronym. Yeah. But, oh, yeah, that's that's actually one of the first things, I think, for learning anything is to learn the language of that thing. Um, there is, and this is me showing my nerd, but there is a, there is a strategy card game called Magic the Gathering. Mm -hmm. It's been around a number of years, which is a very complex game. There's a lot of variables. I'm, I'm learning how to play. Um, but there are things on there that tell you to tap something. Tap means turn the card sideways. You're not physically tapping it. It's not tap shoes. So unless you knew that. Unless you know yeah. that, you don't know what yeah. it's talking about. So, I mean, you have to learn the lexicon of this, in this particular case, this whole game, before you can even understand the instructions that are physically written on the cards. And, yeah, it's like that with a lot of things. You know, if I don't know what fill-in name of medical acronym here is, it doesn't mean anything. So, right. no, absolutely agreed. So, yeah. I would say if, you're, if you are learning uh, Magic the Gathering, there's something you should know that's common to that. And when I was learning uh, Pokemon with my kids, mm. the card game there, is uh, Armageddon is it's just a common move that you do in both games <laughs> if things are not going your way what you're going to do is, is take this the table, table. Flip? yeah yeah okay i know so it is the table flip what you need to practice though because some tables are heavier than others right right so always involve some gym that. time yeah you know, proper yeah. lifting technique use your legs not your back well it doesn't really matter at that point because you just want the game to end well true but if you don't want the end of the game to follow you into your medical bills it, it does help to use proper point. flipping that's technique. a good point we may need to go into an instructional design uh, lesson on... On table flipping? Yeah, table flipping. Or excuse me, Armageddon. Like Sorry, I have to learn the new term, Armageddon. On what to do when you're losing a game. Uh, okay, so speaking of losing a game, I'm going to lose you soon. Uh, Jennifer Ritter is only here for a few more minutes, so um, we're going to take one more song, and then we're going to come back with a pop quiz. Okay. You're listening to a certain degree. Coast Modern with Dive from their album Coast Modern on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. My name is Nick. 
Special guest this week, Jennifer Ritter. Jennifer. It's still morning, wait, and we're wait, still here. I didn't say anything yet. You can't just talk. I oh, think. but it's a talk show, not All a quiet right, show. Fine, fine. I mean, we could so, awkwardly be silent, but I don't. I don't feel like the listeners would enjoy that. I well, it's performance art at that point. True. true. Okay. Uh, before we get to our performance art, I should note that Best Hour and Marketing News will be on at the top of the hour. No pun intended. So stay tuned for that. It's a great show. And uh, right now we're going to do a little pop quiz with Jennifer. Test your knowledge dun, of dun, things. Dun. Of things. Wow, that was very dramatic. Yes. Uh, let's start with an easy one. Which one? Eagles or Patriots? <sighs> Don't really care. Okay. Very good. Uh, a couple of movies prepare, premiered, prepared? premiered on this day in the distant past. So February 5th. 1936, in this case, a little number called Modern Times. So Charlie Chaplin in his first full-length movie with recorded sound. Ah. So I'd never done one before. It was also the last movie for another Chaplin staple, which was, A, it was the final appearance of the Little Tramp character. Uh, B, he went to color after this movie. This was the last black and white movie. Or C, it's the last time he uses so much lens flare after a lot of pushback on the internet. So which was mm. the last movie thing that he did in this movie? Well, I'm going to eliminate C. Lens flare? I'm going to say Chaplin was... Chaplin, I mean, he's known for a lot. The lens flare is not one of his biggies. Okay. Um, let's see. So is it color or is it... Which was the other one? Uh, it was the final appearance oh, the, 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 of the, the little, little tramp. So this is 1936, keep yes. in mind. Hmm. Gonna say last appearance of the Little Tramp. That is correct. Yes. Yeah. So there were a couple of characterizations where he was similar to the Little Tramp, but it was definitely not that character okay. anymore. This was the last one. It was also the second time on film where uh, we caught his voice, and so because he wanted the Little Tramp character to be sort of. Uh, international, and for everyone, he just sings in gibberish. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the other movie that premiered on this date, I'm sure there were others, but these are the two big ones, uh, 1953, Peter Pan, and this premiered in New York. Uh, like all of their other animated films, Disney plans to do a live-action mm. Peter Pan at some point in the future. And not only that, they're going to do a live action Tinkerbell in a spin-off. Uh, again, we talked about cinematic universes earlier. Mm -hmm. Guess what? They're doing them. Uh so Reese Witherspoon is attached to play Tinkerbell. Out of these potential movie plots, which one do you like the most? A, it's Reese Witherspoon, so Tinkerbell goes to college a la Legally Blonde. Mm -hmm. Uh B, a Thelma and Louise adventure with Tinkerbell and Moana. Or C, a Kill Bill. Like, go dark, right? Okay. I a Kill you. Bill-style action film with her getting revenge and hunting down Hook and all his pirate pals. Hmm. I'm going to say B. Thelma and Louise with Tinkerbell and Moana. Yeah, which is interesting because I haven't seen Moana and know nothing about it. But I'm just feel, I, I feel like doing Reese Witherspoon again in something so close to Legally Blonde, it's not going to have its own identity. Too much, yeah. And I think going dark, although that, that could be great for a new audience. I feel like a lot of the, the hardcore Tinkerbell fans aren't going to be on board for that one. So I feel like kind of middle ground. Okay, I'm with you. All right, so February 5th is also a big day in Canadian history. As you might know, I'm Canadian. So hey. I always try to give, yeah, that's a stereotype. 
Yeah, that you did in one of your earlier shows. I don't that remember I totally that. watched on the way I here. Don't remember that. <laughs> uh, but uh, a couple of things happened today. Listen, I want, listened, I didn't watch it. <laughs> I, yeah, that would be difficult. Wait, can you see me in here? Uh, Keep asking questions. A few things have happened in history on February 5th for Canada. I wanted to get your opinion on what you felt was the most important. Uh, 1934, Don Cherry, the Canadian hockey commentator on Hockey Night in Canada, very, very flamboyantly dressed hockey commentator, has been doing it forever. Uh, 1934, he was born in Kingston, Ontario. In 1980, Gordy Howe plays in his 23rd and final NHL All-Star game at the age of 51. And uh, he's from Floral, Saskatchewan. He retired the end of that year. Or 1981, Joni Mitchell, who is from Fort McLeod, Alberta, was inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame. Mm. I'm going to have to say 51-year-old NHL player. Yeah, That's Gordie impressive. Howe. That's I mean, in, in any pro sport, yeah. being able to stay in something that fizzle into your 50s is impressive. He was on top of it, and it was pretty remarkable. Yeah, so that was his final All-Star game was today. Gordie Howe, we miss you. Uh, so let's switch to SpaceX for a minute. Uh, mm-hmm. Big thing coming up for them this week is the Falcon Falcon. Uh, Falcon, Falcon. Yeah, the Falcon Falcon is going to be launching. The Falcon Heavy uh, should be launching tomorrow, as a matter of fact. And so if it all goes according to plan, there's basically three booster rockets. So you've seen them recover one booster rocket. Mm-hmm. It's landed. Uh, so they're planning to, if it doesn't explode, uh, planning to recover all three of these booster rockets. Now, last week, they uh, did a launch uh, for a satellite, and they were going to let it uh, sink into the ocean, the Mm -hmm. booster rocket, rather than recover it. It ended up floating, and so they had to go out there and grab it because it ended up floating and not sinking down to the bottom of the sea. Uh, Why is that a good thing? Is it, A, because there's always something we can learn from each rocket and each launch, and that knowledge is invaluable? Is it, B, it cost Elon Musk a few bucks to recover the booster, which slows down his relentless drive? towards sentient self-driving cars? Or C, why do we think that technology falling into the hands of fish is a good idea? That shape of water, dude, he's going to use that technology, he's going to reverse engineer it, and we're going to be at his mercy. I think think the answer is probably A. Okay. But you are now making me concerned about C. Yeah, that's something we haven't thought about. All these rockets, all these, you know, sunken boats. What do you think the fish are doing down there? Just using them as reefs? It's something we'd have to go down to find out. Okay, well, let's do that. As we're thinking about that, Jennifer, our time is up today. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about some of the projects that you're working on, some of the things you want to plug. Uh, so Digitech Interactive is your employer. Yes, no, big, big shout out to Digitech. Thank you all for, for letting me uh, change up my work schedule a little this morning to be here for this. Super appreciate it. Love all the work you guys do. Um, local entertainment company that I'm not affiliated with, but I'm a big fan of, uh, Pseudonym Productions. Big shout out to you guys. Uh, they are a local group that does, I'm going to call them limited run experience events. Uh, they're frequently compared to either escape rooms or in New York, there's a thing called Sleep No More. Yeah, they're, so this interactive not. sort it's, of It's plays. an interactive in-person thing, but it's not a play. You're, you're, you're a player, not an audience member. Oh, okay. And I think Broadway World had described them at one point as a new form of entertainment. So it's one of those things you really have to go to their stuff to, to get what it is, but it's utterly amazing. I don't think they have anything running right now, but definitely something to keep an eye on there. They do some phenomenal work, some really creative things. Um, Want to do a shout-out for a... 
what do they call it? It's part digital magazine, part social network that I am a uh, content contribu- contributor for um, running out of California called Luminate. Um, it's a passion project by Seth Madison and Kristen Aldridge. Um, it's supposed to be actually kind of a lot of like what you do here, trying to inspire people and connect people and push for positive change and bettering of people's lives. Oh, I'm not um, trying to do that. I'm just trying to Well, meet then your website's a lie because it yeah. said you were trying to do that for yourself. Oh, That's yeah. That's why you have us here. Websites are a lie generally. Okay. I there think we go. Was one thing we'll learn. That's true. So on yeah, my website, there's that one. Um, also, book series. Uh, I have a, a good friend who's an author, Jonathan Four, who has a young adult book series called the Lexicon Chase Books. Uh, book one is Scrolls of the Harlequin. Book two is uh, Lexicon Chase and the Riddle Song. Um, lovely series, similar to Narnia and the effect of it's a person from you mm-hmm. know current world ish going into fantasy world yeah only it's present day instead of world war ii era single child instead of a family and it does deal with uh, bullying as one of the primary issues in it and self-identity and confidence and, and a lot of really lovely things so shout out for that and then final plug is going to be for uh prt which is playwrights roundtable uh local theater group that is i believe central florida's only year-round independent play producers um, so they do writers Sounds workshops. Right. Uh, they run a lot of their stuff out of the shakes. They're affiliated. They're not part of, but, um, so you're not going to see, you know, barefoot in the park. You're not going to see cats, uh, but they do all original stuff. Some of it from locals, although they have open calls, they do workshops for development, lots of great things, getting artists work out there, actors, um, big shout out to them as well. Great. Well, Jennifer Ritter, thank you so much. Uh, next week, uh, my guests are, I can't remember. But I also have Indie Folk Fest on Saturday, so I will be there at the Manila Museum. And now let's play a song, full screen from Adult Mom. I just picked it because it sounded fun to say. It does. And Best Hour is here in a moment. You're listening to A Certain Degree on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. And that's the show. Thanks for listening to A Certain Degree. If you like what you heard, and who wouldn't, visit toacertaindegree.com. That's T-O-A, certaindegree.com. For more episodes, creative scheming, and much more, it's all there. If you didn't like what you heard, let Nick know. Seriously, let him know. Although, I'm Nick, so why am I speaking in third person?